0: Welcome to Better Worlds. This is part two of our initial reactions to The Last Jedi. We are now going to discuss The Last Jedi. We have nothing to say about this movie that is not, in some way, a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, please stop listening.
1: So one of the things I liked about this movie when I was watching it was the opening space battle and how they had the bombers coming in. I was like, oh boy, this is like a World War II movie here. Um, Again, like, I think Rogue One had aspects of a World War II movie feel, as we've noted with the RAF uh, X-Wing pilots and... Even in our previous episode, we mentioned that, but this was a continuation of that. But then the bombers
0: just started falling really easily. And well, one of them got hit by a little bit of shrapnel from a tie, and then they all blew up as a result. Right. So I was going to say,
1: and um, some of them were they were in formation badly. They were super close to each other, enough that an explosion in one could take out all the others. They had incompetent fighter protection, because they were just getting ripped to shreds. Um, so that was a little bit frustrating. But I still liked
0: the- I don't think they were getting ripped to shreds, though. There were, how many of them at the beginning? Four or five? Yeah, five. One of them was ripped to shreds. Okay, so one of them was actually taken out by ties? Yes, quite easily. Okay, and then literally all the rest except for one were taken out by that one collision. Yes. By a tie that got shot down, but then like the wing of it hit one of the bombers and they all blew up. But I don't know. I don't feel like the fighter cover was that incompetent.
1: Okay, it felt incompetent to me because these bombers appeared on screen... And then 30 seconds later, we're left with
0: one. Yeah. I think that had more to do with the bomber formation. Right. Yeah. So. Than the fighter cover.
1: I, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Also,
2: they are not well manufactured if they can't take that much damage. Yeah. Um, you know what was incompetent was the design of the dreadnought, which again, just fell to the evil thing where the evil ship design of we have this one spot that if you hit it with enough with enough force whole thing goes down right is that actually accurate for a dreadnought Trevor I I don't know
0: that was a little weird it, it basically had a target on it yeah
2: it had a giant target like hit it right here it will blow you <laughs> might as well, like stop making weak spots in your thing <laughs> well yeah
1: I wasn't done ranting yet <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's
2: fine. Continue, But I had so, my own mini rant.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And that's that's fine. Um, That's a good point. I mean.
2: Well,
0: a side point before Dustin continues his rant. I would like to point out that Luke also has a common video game design flaw, which is a boss who can take way too much damage.
2: <laughs>
0: and appears to not suffer at all from it.
2: It was indeed the first instance of a laser sponge instead of the bullet sponge.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. okay. So Luke is the boss. That is yes, the laser. Luke sponge. is oh, okay. the bullet sponge. I'm sorry. Boss. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were talking about his boss that he's going up against is a laser sponge. And I'm like, who are we
0: talking about? Oh no. Yeah. Okay. I'm calling him a bullet sponge. Yeah, he was.
2: Kylo Ren just needs like one ill, like properly phrased sentence. And he turns into a wreck. He's yeah. not the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Maybe in a video game where you face him, instead of using your weapons, you'll just get the opportunity to type out a sentence.
2: You are not (laughs) as strong as Darth Vader. (gasps) Why would you say that? (laughs) You think my mask is dumb? Uh,
0: Smash! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Dustin, can you finish your or continue your rant?
1: So, like many things that initially I liked in this movie, after further reflection, I started having problems with it the the bomber was an issue because later in the movie, whenever the, I don't know, one of the Star Destroyers starts bombarding the uh, Resistance fleet, what, whatever, like we're <laughs> really degrading our definition of fleet here. <laughs> <laughs> but they they shot their weapon and it arced. And in the movie, I almost started yelling (laughs) i don't generally get upset about like physics issues in movies but there were just some really egregious things here you don't have a ballistic trajectory if there's no gravity pulling the the shot down like there's not not going to be a parabolic arc to this (laughs) so you shoot it Uh, anyway so apparently there's gravity in space or these Corsairs create a gravitational field. That's reminiscent of these ships being naval vessels on the open ocean. Um, but then the same thing, if you think about the bombers, how are the bombs going to fall to their target? The dreadnought is not massive enough that it's going to create a, gravitational distortion similar to a planet's surface, yet the bombs fall with that velocity, with that acceleration. Also, the person, uh Rosa's sister, spends so much time kicking the ladder that she could have just climbed up the ladder and <laughs> pressed the button. I think she was stuck. I don't I didn't think she was stuck. I thought she was just like, oh, I can't get up there, kick the ladder. I think her leg got trapped. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then I feel a little bit bad for saying this. She only
0: kicks with her right leg. I think her left leg is trapped under the ladder.
1: But, okay, I'll let that one go. If that's not the case, come on, climb up the ladder again. But anyway, yeah, so the bombs falling in space, the blasts following a ballistic trajectory in space, those were issues that I had. Also, the fleet has enough speed that they can get out of range, but only just out of range. And then apparently they they their velocity matches that of the Imperial fleet. Because if it only took them, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds to get far enough out of range that the bombardment no longer was effective but then through the rest of the hours of fuel that they have they can't pull any further ahead
0: that bothered me
2: in space no one can hear you physics
0: (laughs) going back to that first space battle they do a couple of fairly close-up shots of the lead a-wing pilot i think they said her name was tally and I got super excited because she was the lead fighter in that attack other than Poe, who was just kind of doing his own thing. Like, I mean, he was just lone wolfing it. She was actually leading that operation. And they were focusing on her enough that I actually thought maybe we're about to get like a proper Starbuck Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. And that would be amazing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I got so excited and then they put all of the fighter pilots in the hangar and let Kylo Ren blow them up with one shot. Mm-hmm. Except for the single pilot that I hate, <laughs> mm-hmm. Poe Dameron.
2: You said that almost with enough, like, it almost sounded like a curse when you said it, like, Poe Dameron.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate him so much now. He got so many people killed simply because he thinks he's the most important person and he should get to make every decision.
2: Um, I was going to ask, but now I I halfway expect an answer based on how that went. What's your review of A-Wing usage in the movie was?
0: I thought it was pretty poor. It was pretty poor. I was so excited and so disappointed. I'm glad they were there, but they really squandered the opportunity. And they really squandered that character. Trevor, I have a question for you about S-foils. Yes.
1: what are the, What's the purpose of S-foils
0: on an X-wing? To increase the weapon spread. Okay. That's kind of what I thought.
1: But then in the opening scene, he's rocketing toward the... It's not the Dreadnought at that point, is it? Yeah, it is the Dreadnought. And then he opens or uh, puts the S-wing, S-foils in attack position and that is a sudden deceleration so they made it look like kind of like the movable wings on an F14 Tomcat so if you have the wings in the delta formation then that's for high speed intercept mode but if you expand them out that's for low lower speed maneuverability because it increases the um the lift surface. So it looked like they were saying, if you put the wings out, it's going to increase drag and slow you down.
0: Did you guys get that impression? I didn't. I know that they usually fold them when they're traveling between points. Did he, did he lock them? I mean, they call it attack position. Mm Mm-hmm. And the main purpose of that is to increase the spread right. of the weapons. Right. But at the point where he went into attack position, was it after the booster rocket was done? He
1: put them in attack position and that dropped him out of the boost. But I guess what you're saying is the boost just ran out at that point. I, I could accept that.
0: Yeah. I think that he, I think he locked them into attack position to coincide with the end of the boost because he wanted them flat while he was boosting. Okay. Not because he would encounter air resistance, but simply because that's what you do when you're moving an X-Wing as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So and once you get where you're going, then you switch to the other position.
1: When I was watching it though, it looks like um, he put them in attack position to increase the drag and bring him to a sudden stop but then later in his uh aerobatics he did the crazy ivan (laughs) 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 but in order to make that maneuver he put the s foils in cruise position and was able to spin around which I was thinking, that's the opposite of what you just showed and what you would want to do. Because if we're talking in an atmosphere, then yeah, probably the S foils in attack position would increase drag and would slow you down. So they would serve as an air brake. So you would want to slow down in order to pivot on that tight of a turn. And But that's the opposite of what he did. Are you saying he closed them to pivot? No, you would want to open them. Are you saying that he what he actually did was close them? Yeah, he closed them. He closed them to pivot tightly. Okay. And then opened them back up to shoot the TIE fighters. But then last night when I was thinking about it more, I was like, but they're not in atmosphere, so none of that even makes sense. Okay. But I understand now that the whole attack position probably wasn't what that was going for.
0: Yeah, so the issue of drag does matter for an X-Wing at some times because they can be used in atmosphere. Right. Um, so design wise, I think that's a consideration in space. Um, obviously it's not, no one can hear you drag, but yeah. Um, honestly, I of course hate that. There's not an in-universe explanation but I think it simply comes down to a filmmaking flourish mm-hmm. because they wanted to make it look a little more interesting. Cause I mean, there's parts where he's like, kind of like wiggling them in and out for no particular reason as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like he just kind of like pinches them in just because, um, <laughs> and I think the real reason is because they're, they were doing an entire space dogfight with one fighter because they wanted us to, to see how cool Poe Dameron is again. And because there's not more ships flying around, they needed to make the one ship do more things. And so they added more movement that way Mm
1: -hmm.
0: by having the S-foils moving around in ways that we have not otherwise seen them moved around by ships for any reason. And all of that could have been mitigated by actually doing a proper space battle instead of Mm -hmm. just giving Poe his... Anyway... (laughs)
1: I did appreciate his growth through the movie. I didn't. um, In that he finally was understanding that what he was doing was not leading. But at what cost? (laughs) At the cost of the entire resistance.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad he decided (laughs) that at the point where the resistance consisted of literally the number of people who can fit in the Millennium Falcon comfortably.
1: Seriously, it's the Millennium Falcon is the resistance. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's literally like 12 people now. Yeah.
1: That is just completely ridiculous. It's bonkers. But at least next movie
0: he won't be doing that kind of crap. Well, at least we know for sure now that he's at the most daring pilot in the resistance cuz he's the only one. No, there's still Rose.
1: I mean, she was a maintenance person before, but now she's a pilot. Finn too. Oh, yeah, Finn too. And Ray. Right, Ray's. Does she pilot? Yes. Don't, wait. Yeah, she flew the Millennium Falcon in The Force Awakens. She can fly anything.
2: So one of the things that I did want to point out I enjoyed when they were, um, they had Luke arguing about basically getting ready to go destroy all of the books and then kind of hesitating. They had the Force ghost of Yoda show up and just burn it all to the ground. I And, and then Yoda was like laughing, really enjoying having done that. I found that amusing.
1: I would like to talk about that. What was it? Um... Like to say, I I need some clarification on why the Jedi needed to end. I didn't understand Yoda's counsel throughout that. I didn't understand what Luke's motivation for ending the Jedi uh, was, other than he screwed up as a mentor, as a master. Um, and it bothered me that Yoda said that. There wasn't anything written in the entire literature of the Jedi Order that Rey didn't already know. Yet she's only had apparently three lessons, but I only remember two. And they weren't really lessons in the sense of, here's how to be a Jedi.
0: At first, that really bothered me. And it still does in a sense because that whole scene feels like it's saying that knowledge and tradition don't matter or have any consequence
1: it feels like it or because i
0: i think it is
1: saying that and (laughs) i'm kylo ren explicitly said those
0: things it's like oh cool now we have a whole scene in a star wars movie about how books don't matter and expertise doesn't matter and that was implicit in the force awakens in many ways but now it's explicit because you literally have yoda saying it but and burning books (laughs) Consider for a moment, Yoda said, there's nothing in that library that she does not have with her. And then... And she did, in fact, have the books with her on the Millennium Falcon.
2: And they showed later that the books were in there.
0: Okay, see, I thought they looked kind of like it, but
1: then he had... Okay, so she stole them,
0: essentially. Yes. Okay.
2: All right. Did she... Okay, I guess that makes sense. I was wondering if... Maybe
0: they were force-projecting themselves onto the Millennium Falcon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Luke did force-project some dice, even after he had become one with the Force. So...
2: I guess I was thinking it might be a, like, Yoda interceding type thing as well. But that could make sense. Uh, It's
1: possible. Okay, more of... It was just confirmation that those were, in fact, the books. I, I didn't... I wasn't positive when i saw that It was like oh those look like the books but maybe it's not
2: i just want to clarify that i was mainly pointing out i enjoyed yoda showing up and torching something and laughing maniacally like that was the, <laughs> yeah like we're not examining at any deeper level what was happening i just found that amusing i don't know if it was good it was just funny
1: well that just linked into what i was wanting to talk about
0: i think it is very much in line with his characterization in the empire strikes back yeah it does seem a little bit odd that at that point Luke is saying it's time for the Jedi to end. Yoda confirms it, and then later Luke kind of backtracks. So I think there's kind of an open question: What did Yoda mean there? Hmm. If Luke later backtracked on it, um, I think Yoda is speaking more broadly and philosophically, as he is wont to do. I don't think he necessarily means there should not be any more Jedi after this point. He means we need to stop repeating the same mistakes and we need to learn to move on from the things that have failed us in the past and be willing to move forward instead of continually looking back.
2: And see, that since that's basically the theme of the movie, that's why I think I'm thinking of it positively just because in a way it's the exact opposite of what The Force Awakens was. right even though the force awakens was about like, we're re we're like reigniting this cycle type thing. It was so hung up on everything in the past that's happened in the movies and recreating those story beats that it's refreshing to see the franchise itself say, let's maybe not do that. Although simultaneously it did do that. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. So although it bothers me some of the ways that it does that, such as not answering questions about Snoke, I think it would be accurate to say, My problem with it is that I wish that that had been done in the first movie of the new trilogy and any way that it, I think it fails in the last Jedi. It's basically the force awakens fault because the force awakens didn't do it to begin with. That's fair. So that's why I definitely hold the last Jedi above the force awakens at this point. Um, because I, I blame its failures on its older brother. So what was the point of Phasma?
2: What was the point of Phasma?
1: Why do you bring a character back that everyone presumed was dead and then kill them, presumably kill them again after only a couple minutes on screen?
0: The point of Phasma was to sell action figures.
2: That seems about accurate.
0: And to interest people because it's a an actress from Game of Thrones. Who is it? Gwendolyn Christie. Well, not that, I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about Game of I don't Thrones. Either. I know the actress's name, and I know that she's in it. And I know that a lot of people thought she was cool because her armor's shiny, and she was in Game of Thrones.
2: I did see the sentiment repeated several times online that people thought, oh, I love Captain Phasma. She's, and I quote, such a badass. I saw that same phrase. there's people thought that, and I was like, based on... This is before this movie. So I was like, based on she had a few lines and got locked in a trash compactor. Like that was, Oh, and then as she has a Cape man. And as I think Trevor said, signed off on the deaths of everyone she knew and cared about (laughs) by lowering the shields. She had a Cape and shiny armor and that made her really, really cool or something. I don't know. She had a name. (laughs) That's probably. Yeah. She had a name that's Greek for like phantom or something.
0: Hey, but what about Constable Zuvio? I don't know. I don't know anything about that person. He had an action figure and got completely cut from the movie in The Force Awakens. He was supposed to be the small-time sheriff of the trading post on Jakku. What I was getting at is
1: she's a stormtrooper with a name. Previously, they just had
0: numbers. And then Finn came around.
2: FN, whatever, whatever, whatever.
0: 182-187. Um part of what frustrates me about Finn is that I love the idea of a storyline about a stormtrooper who defects. Hmm. I love Finn Okay. Go ahead. Finn as that person just doesn't convince me because he acts like somebody who just fell out of high school or early college in 2015. Not somebody who fell out of a military training camp that they'd been forced into from a baby yeah Yeah,
2: that was one of the things that initially bugged me about the way he was done in the force awakens was that he just even the way he was talking i was like this breaks the universe for me because he sounds like someone who is from the u.s in, in 2015 all of a sudden finding themselves in a star wars movie and acting as best they could to blend in
0: and why in the world, in The Force Awakens, um, this is a complaint from The Force Awakens, but why in the world is the First Order teaching its stormtroopers that Han Solo was a war hero? Oh my goodness. <laughs> because as soon as his name is mentioned, he says, the war hero? Oh no, <laughs> I never thought of that. Where did he get that?
2: <laughs> J.J., this is the gift that won't stop giving in the sense that yeah. we're going to be continually looking at this movie years later and being like, why did they do that?
0: Yeah. And I also can't get over the fact that in The Force Awakens, he's in hero worship mode for, you know, the war hero that his stormtrooper trainers have told him about. But then, like a day later, I guess we don't know the actual time scale, but maybe a day later. He's considered a war hero by a mechanic?
2: Yeah, that was the time... By defecting. That didn't make any sense to me whatsoever.
0: Like, I guess she had heard about the his role in the attack on Starkiller, and she mentions that. Like, that's why, but it was just weird to me. I don't know. That's not totally implausible. That's far from my biggest complaint. Yeah. I did like the movie, guys.
2: <laughs> I continued to... I I enjoyed Ray like where she was in the movie and like her develop. I don't know. I mean, I still like her as a character. I feel like we haven't touched on Ray at all in what she did in the movie, which is in theory one of the mainer, more main parts mainer.
0: <laughs> I am enjoying her as a character. Um, my only ongoing complaint is the power level without any training or prior knowledge is just kind of out of whack i know that there are people who would say i'm just being sexist um i like to think i would say the same if ray was a guy
1: but uh, whatever we were saying that about finn like yeah. he was able to use a, a lightsaber well that's because we're racist <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay Sorry. when um so at the end when she f- meets up with finn again and gets really happy and hu- and He they hug and they're happy to see each other. I was like, I don't know. It almost felt like, I get that they kind of bonded in the force awakens, but it almost felt like that was the audience. Like they wanted the, the audience would want to see them be like, Oh, we saw Mm. each other and we're happy to see each other again. But it's like, at this point, it's like you spent so much time apart. It feels undeserved. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know that I guess it could be an absence makes the heart grow fonder thing.
0: Yeah. Same thing with um, Finn's line. Rebel scum? Yeah, they threw that in a lot. Yeah. They don't even call the Resistance rebels, do they? And they're not really rebels. They were representing, well, acting against the wishes of the government, but kind of representing them at the same time. But why are they calling them rebels? I don't know. But rebel, the phrase rebel scum is not something Finn would say. It's wish fulfillment for a fan of Return of the Jedi. Right. Right. It's fan service. Yeah. Anyway, um, back to Ray. I have questions about her power level, but um, on that note, in the trailer, we heard the line, I've seen raw power like this only once before. It didn't frighten me enough, or I wasn't scared enough of it than I am now. That's not word for word, but something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the movie, he says, only once before in Ben Solo. But they cut that so we would be wondering what it was. And so I was wondering before seeing the movie if that line was going to be about Kylo Ren or about Ray. And I was assuming it was only going to be one of them. And part of me understands why it's about both. To say that they're both really, really powerful more than he's seen before, I guess. But I kind of wanted there to be a differential, because either the raw power is in her, and that's why she can match Kylo Ren, even though he's had years and years of training and she hasn't, and that would help explain what was going on there, or the raw power is in him, and we find out, oh, he's actually got a lot more raw power, and so the threat from the next movie is much larger and they have to figure out how to meet that. What is it that you're saying the
1: line was
0: in the movie? When Luke says, I've only seen raw power like this once before and been solo, it didn't scare me enough. Then it does now. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying when he saw it before it was Ben. now it's Ray. Mm-hmm. I was hoping he would say it was Darth Vader or something mm. before. And now it was either Kylo Ran or Ray. I see. Because I wanted there to be a differential of power between them. I don't. You didn't want it to be both Ray and Kylo. Yeah. If they're okay. perfectly matched, then there's no good reason that they should be equal right now because he's had years and years mm-hmm. of training and she hasn't. Yeah, that's true. But if there's a differential, then that can be interesting in either direction. But if they have the same amount of raw power, then it's less interesting and doesn't make sense for why they're evenly matched right now. But I did really like seeing them fight together in the throne room. And I liked the way that subverted our expectations, too.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah, I totally, totally bought into that.
0: Because even as they're leading up to it, it's clear that they both think the other one is going to join them. And they both think that it's happening. And I think the audience, for the most part, probably thinks that Kylo is turning good and joining up with Ray. And we realized the whole time they've been both thinking it was going their way and they were both wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they go their separate ways, but having it look like they were joining up and then having a really good reason why they weren't, I think was a really effective way of doing that.
2: Yeah. And also a really cool fight scene. Yeah. Just the shot. I think the way, the way they did that too was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask, how did you guys feel about the humor throughout? Because I felt like this was a mate. This was the most, regardless of whether jokes landed personally or not, the funniest. Maybe not funny. It's they attempted humor on a different level than I feel like other Star Wars movies other mainline Star Wars movies tried to do.
1: That was the aspect that Erin po- uh, talked about after we walked out of the theater. She said this one was a lot more comedic than others. And I said, yeah, they're, they kind of try that now. I laughed at whenever Luke said, Oh, Ray said, I'm from nowhere. And he said, someone, everyone's from somewhere. She said, Jack he's like, okay, you're from nowhere. I laughed at that. That
0: one kind of bugged me. I think it was the delivery. Yeah. I mean, I guess he pulled off the joke but I didn't feel like that was the right answer because I feel like he would have... He was in his grumpy old man. I don't know. Like, does he have her beat with Tatooine? Because he would be like, well, I'm from nowhere too, I guess. I mean, yeah. I guess he said that, but... That Mark
2: Hamill, such a joker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it didn't seem like the right answer for him. It seemed like the right answer for the audience. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Again, like we were saying about the other stuff. I don't know how to quantify the jokes. Like, if we were to just go through and count the jokes, I'm really curious. What the balance would actually be. This is certainly the only one to open with a joke, an extended joke at that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the number one complaint that I saw, especially on Reddit, because I I went to look at Reddit stuff simply because when I first saw it, I didn't have anybody to talk about it with yet, and so I just went to look see what people were saying. Number one complaint was the quote marvelous humor. Mm. I saw that on a Rotten Tomatoes. Which, I repeat my complaint about Thor Ragnarok. Do these people like the jokes in Marvel movies or not? Because they complain about them endlessly, and then they love Thor Ragnarok, even though it has ten times as many jokes. And I wish people would just make up their minds.
2: I thought that actually lent, the fact that they were doing all the jokes lent itself to the theme of the movie, in that they were like... uh, trying to break out of the cycles of the past, like it, going with more humor is almost, it's not like an explicit, it it's showing we're doing this movie differently than we've done the other ones, which in itself reinforces the theme of the movie we're trying to do. I, that's kind of how I took it.
0: Mm. makes sense. I did appreciate a fair amount of it. There were just a couple times that roped me the wrong way. How did you guys feel about Luke throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder.
2: I thought you made a good point that that kind of goes along with his. Like the perception of him never wanting to use a lightsaber again. And in a way, I guess it even goes with the theme of. That would have ha- that would have been Anakin's lightsaber, right? Right. So it in a way is this like. reject? Like she's almost handing him like I, this is a legacy that. I want to take up I'm handing back to you so you can show to me and he him just throwing the legacy out the window because he thinks that's all bunk
0: did you think that the way it was done was jokey yeah
2: uh to a degree yeah because I think they're trying again but again that was almost exactly a a refutation of the force awakens because they ended with this poignant shot of ray holding it out to luke in this way that left it dangling and everyone was like, oh my gosh, it's this big, huge question. Let's get a big, huge answer. And that's taking the big, huge question and throwing it out and saying, you put too much importance on that. It doesn't really matter, which I could see going along with your complaints about that. But then also kind of, again, reinforcing that central theme of breaking out of cycles.
0: Okay. My thought is the substance of it makes sense. In all the ways that you're saying, but I, in a way, having him chuck it over his shoulder was, I think, a little off on the delivery of it. Mm, I could um, see that. And what it feels like to me is, um, have you guys seen the How It Should Have Ended videos? Mm-hmm. Yes. Basically animated shorts showing jokey ways, of like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this happened or that happened in this movie? Um usually framed as like, oh, like, obviously this would have been such an easy resolution. Um, But generally, a collection of jokey takes on what could have happened in movies. Although they are funny, I kind of hate those videos because there are usually really good reasons why it didn't happen the way that they're saying would have been funny. And it's fine to make a joke about it, but to postulate that it actually should have ended that way or should have happened that way, annoys me. And the real problem is when that bleeds over into actual movie making. And I don't know if I've necessarily seen it happen too much, but that's what this felt like to me. And I mentioned some of the jokes in Thor Ragnarok felt that way as well to me, where something would happen, I would think that, I can see how this is funny, but it feels more like the kind of thing that shouldn't happen in the movie, but afterwards we say, wouldn't it have been funny? if this happened. And that was exactly what the lightsaber thing felt like to me, because for him to just throw it over his shoulder feels like a joke somebody would have made between the two movies coming out. Like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he just chucked it over his shoulder? But it doesn't feel like what he would actually do. And again, the substance of it is fine, but I would rather see it, I can think of a number of ways I would rather see it, for instance, he could either commit and really chuck it into the ocean, but not in a jokey over the shoulder kind of way. I'm not saying he needs to like go full discus throw with it, but just like give it a real chuck. <laughs> um or hold it briefly and then just kind of drop it. Like look at it plaintively and then drop it. I think would perhaps be a little more dramatic. Or even just Walk past her and refuse to even take it. I think any of those would work in a less jokey way for me. I think they were trying to make a joke
1: i'm I'm kind of not in agreement with Matthew on that. I think it was meant to be a joke.
2: but again, it being a joke could still reinforce the break in the pattern kind of theme. I
0: don't know, and I'm not saying it's not a little funny. I just would rather hear somebody say, wouldn't it be funny if than to actually see it in the movie? Mm-hmm. Because that was a moment of such import.
2: Relating to moments of import that I just thought about though we didn't really touch on it. When Snoke was doing right before he met his um Timely Demise, when he was like, oh, Kylo Ren can't possibly betray me. I'm in his mind. I see him turning the lightsaber, getting ready to unsheathe it, and then gets chopped in half because of that. My thoughts just like, how is an incredibly powerful. I guess they're maybe going with like a hubris thing again, but it doesn't feel like a, like a ridiculously powerful Sith Lord should have. should be that easily taken out.
0: I think I, I I agree with you, but it's going to sound like I'm not agreeing with what I say. Um, although what you're saying is true, it seems like it was too easy. At the same time, that's very similar to how Kylo killed Han. Because when, when he killed Han, he spoke as if he just needed help with something. And he was... The way he was speaking, it would have been really easy for Han to think that it was going well up until the moment he has a lightsaber through his chest. Um, And it's not like he lied outright. Um, And I think that Kylo was probably intentionally thinking in a way that would be very similar to how he was speaking to Han in The Force Awakens. He was thinking for Snoke to hear in this movie. Or could it be
1: also the
0: uncertainty of the future? That could be as well. Could be. Were you going to talk about something else, Dustin? Yeah. Before we went on the lightsaber thing?
1: Um, It's kind of shifting gears. It's something that I liked about the
2: movie. What?
1: I liked the Codebreaker. I felt like he was the most interesting character in the movie.
0: He was pretty interesting. I liked that he didn't have the same arc as Lando. That would that would have been a little too derivative if they'd just done exactly the same thing as with Lando.
1: Yeah. I mean he was this
0: movie's Lando for sure. Minus the redemption. Well Yeah. Yeah. Um it was a little bit weird that we spent that much time with the Codebreaker and in proportion to how little it mattered. Mm-hmm.
1: There were many characters that I felt didn't matter.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Like, who else?
1: Like, well, Phasma.
0: The poor A-Wing pilot.
1: The A-Wing pilot. Phasma, yeah, yeah. she was an important character, maybe, in The Force Awakens. And everyone thinks she's dead, so why bring her back just to throw her into a fiery pit again? It doesn't make sense. The the code breaker did frustrate me because here you have an interesting character, but then it is going to be like all for naught, basically.
0: Yeah. How in the world did he know the top secret plan that they weren't revealing to Poe?
2: Well, he has the reality stone that the Asgardians gave to him when he was the collector, and he just was able to use that as, no, I'm done. Okay, I will
0: accept this answer. (laughs) What's your question again? How did he know about the Resistance's plan to escape in the shuttles while leaving the cruiser behind and hide on crate? Okay, I have no idea on that. Did... I don't know. Because when they got captured, he bought his freedom and a handsome reward by sharing that information, even though... No, he shouldn't have known that. At that point, I think Vice Admiral Holdo... And Leia are, like, the only people who knew the plan. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't have any answer for that. (laughs) I thought of that this evening before we were recording. It's like, that's another thing that doesn't make sense.
2: Which, really, the reality stone wouldn't even help there. He'd probably need, like, the mind stone to be able to read people's minds. And I don't even know if that works that well. (laughs) I'm trying to maul out a theory that doesn't make any sense other than the fact that Disney controls everything now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys feel about um, Leia's spacewalk?
2: <laughs> um, I do not have nearly a, like I when that happened, I was like, wow, they didn't get much footage at all because they killed her off really quickly. And then she showed he was doing that. And I was like, oh, OK, she's going to be in this movie more. I didn't have nearly as much of a problem with it as I feel like other people seem to because there's just there's a lot of gray area where like, well, Luke specifically talked about like. He wanted to teach her more force powers, and it seems like that could be either something he taught her, or like just because of the innate strong force sensitivity within her family line, she, in a survival situation, it would pop out, and she'd be able to do something like that. I don't, I don't know, Trevor. You probably have more um, developed thoughts on whether or not that was a good move.
0: I have a number of complaints. <laughs> um, the first being, like you said, the fake out aspect of it. Were, like, why do they need to make us think she's dying and then bring her back? So, again, this was something they showed in the trailer, which I, I'm going to avoid trailers for nine because this was just ridiculous that we saw this much. But in the trailer, they show kylo ren thinking about shooting the bridge mm-hmm. and it's like oh will he won't he will he won't he i don't know um and in the movie he chooses not to and then the tie pilots immediately shoot it and you think oh so it's, so it's like you go thinking is she gonna die or not and then he doesn't and you think okay she's gonna live and then they shoot it and she gets sucked into space and you think okay she's dying and then they show her in space and you think Oh, well, maybe they're just like lingering on this in memoriam or something, but then she gets, goes back in and she's alive. And there were actually not just with her, but there were a lot of like fake out deaths or fake out impending deaths in this movie, such as we talked about Finn apparently going to die and then not, um, I can't remember what the other ones are, but there were several other times that it looked like people were dead or going to die. Oh, Luke at the end, I thought that he was dead, and then he got up. And I'm like, oh, okay, he is okay. And then he disappears. I'm like, "What? why did you just make me go through this whole, he's dead, oh, he's not, and then do it? Why not just... Anyway, back to Leia. When she was floating, when she got sucked out, I thought, oh, wow, they are killing her off fast, like Matthew was. Then they showed her floating in space, and I thought, oh, this is... Um, kind of weird that they're doing this, but I think they're doing an homage to the Drowned in Moonlight thing, which are you guys familiar with that? No. No. Okay. In her book, Wishful Drinking, Carrie Fisher told a story, which I shall relay as quickly as possible. When they were getting the costumes all set for A New Hope, George Lucas told Carrie Fisher that she should not wear a bra with her dress from a new hope. And she thought this is really dumb, but I'm going to ask him what the deal is and just kind of roll with it and see what he's thinking. So she asked him, okay, why can I not wear a bra with my dress? And he said, there's no underwear in space. (laughs) And she continued to roll with it and asked, why is there no underwear in space? And he said, there's no gravity. And so if you wore a bra, you get strangled by the bra because there's no gravity which is of course really dumb, but um, she thought this was all rather humorous and said that when she died, she wanted it to be reported regardless of what happened as she drowned in moonlight strangled by her own bra. So that was all I was thinking of when she was floating in space with the moonlight or whatever it was shining on her. I just was thinking, are they trying to make the drowned in moonlight thing happen? Because it looks like it's happening right now. So it was super distracting for one thing. And then it looked really dumb. I love the idea of Leia getting to do cool things. I don't love the idea of them looking stupid. And the continuous will-they-die-won't-they-die thing was just tiresome. Moreover, (laughs) R.I.P. Ackbar. No one even mentioned that we barely heard that you even died
2: <laughs> i feel like they did mention didn't they say something about akbar dying
0: it was mentioned they mentioned it yeah but it was it was mentioned they said we lost the whole bridge admiral akbar and like that's it Jeez. and it just i feel horrible for not even remembering that it just it really sucked to lose him that way so unceremoniously i like and it wouldn't have even been as bad if If the bridge was blown out and everybody was lost and then they were sad about it would be one thing. But somehow the whole thing with Leia floating back in made it worse Mm. because we're supposed to think that it's like everybody died and then we're supposed to feel relieved. I don't feel relieved because Admiral Akbar is still dead.
2: And he shouldn't have died. He would have seen that it was a trap.
0: Well, also, I feel like
1: everyone else should have died whenever she opened the the door. There was an airlock. Oh, it was an airlock. Okay. I thought that mm. was just the door into the bridge.
0: I did the first time. Second time, you can see that she comes in to an airlock. Okay. I feel better about that. I don't know why the bridge has an airlock, but there you go. <laughs> um, What was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, um, Akbar. Oh, Okay. An Imperial-class Star Destroyer holds 72 TIE Fighters. An Executor-class Star Destroyer holds 144 TIE Fighters. I don't even want to think about how many TIE Fighters a Mega-class Star Destroyer holds. (laughs) But it only needs to launch three. The first two will take out the bridge, and the third one will take out the entire docking bay with all of the fighters. (laughs) While spinning needlessly. Well it's a neat trick.
2: <laughs> um I just had a thought that surprised me we haven't touched on it earlier. Trevor, how did you what did you think of Luke's description of the force and discussion of how it was like the space between opposites?
0: I thought that it was largely well in line with descriptions in other movies. From Obi-Wan in Episode 4 to Qui-Gon in Episode 1? I guess that was my question. Okay. And I'm not talking about the midichlorian lecture on the (laughs) landing platform to Anakin. I'm talking about...
2: No one's talking about midichlorians.
0: I'm talking about what he said to Obi-Wan earlier in the movie when they were waiting for the Trade Federation representatives to show up.
2: Do you want to remind us of what the exact quote was? Or something alike. I. I
0: don't remember the exact quote, but he's talking about being mindful of mindful of the living force. Um, because Obi Wan is young and impulsive, and just thinking about what they can do, and he's telling him to to tune into the living force and be mindful of what is happening around him.
2: Um, and I do want to give uh, just because the Force Awakens was basically a new hope again, and even this movie with it being, I think it had some virtues above and beyond The Force Awakens, it still retreaded story beats from both Empire Strikes Back and um, Return of the Jedi. The prequels, I think, deserve a shout-out just because even if they failed at it in some degrees, they were willing to try something new. Like, they didn't feel that they needed to endlessly homage the original trilogy. And Mm -hmm. I'm kind of hoping the fact that they retreaded both emperor or empire strikes back and return of the Jedi in this one that we're going to get an episode nine that doesn't feel a need to retread story beats, but
1: yeah, or has Jar Jar.
2: (laughs) I'm just sad because of the thing Trevor said earlier about like Jar Jar being a clown that entertains refugee children or something on a,
0: (sighs) did I tell you guys on the show? I thought you did. Okay. Okay.
2: You could briefly summarize it in case you think you didn't.
0: Okay. um, In Aftermath, Empire's End, the last book of the Aftermath trilogy, which comes after Return of the Jedi, when it came out, the passage that was getting a lot of buzz was that Jar Jar ended in disgrace in one of the little short asides that comes between chapters. And when I read the book, that was actually the best part of the book. And it wasn't because he ended in disgrace. It was... um, he was living on the streets as a clown, basically on Naboo. And this refugee kid meets him and is talking with him about what's happened and everything. And the refugee is like, yeah, I I have nowhere to go. And like, none of these people want me here. And Jar Jar is kind of like, yeah, nobody wants me here either. And, you know, I just, uh, I, I, he kind of talks about how he finds meaning in um, just being there to entertain these refugee children and um, they become friends. And it's, it's a really touching in for Jar Jar because um, I, I know people hate him, but Jar Jar, in my opinion, is a really great character. He is a mirror to every character he encounters. He is somebody who is trying to do what's right throughout um, the stories where he appears. And although his characterization may be annoying. Um, I think that only enhances the way that he reveals the character of the people around him. Um, and just to see him have that ending where he is, he has tried to get by in the world of politics because he thought that was where he could do some good, but it ended up kind of crashing down around him. Everybody blamed him for the rise of the empire, of course, which is kind of fair, but, um, he then he didn't just give up. He went on to find meaning, doing the clowning for the refugee kids.
2: In a way, that's not even fair to Jar Jar because I feel like if anything is reflected in our own world, there would be plenty of people who thought the Empire was a great idea and would probably hail him as a hero rather than something to be yeah. reviled.
0: That's true. Um. Where were we going with that? Why did we bring up Jar Jar? Um, episode 9 will...
1: I was suggesting that it will rehash uh, Phantom Menace.
2: Oh. <laughs> that it will bring up something about Jar Jar, because I yeah. said hopefully it'll do its own thing.
0: Yeah. Um, on the note of the prequels not rehashing stuff, there are a lot of places where they... Um, the joke that has been made is that it... Um, it rhymes. It doesn't repeat whole storylines the way the Force Awakens does, but it rhymes in certain ways with the original trilogy. And George Lucas has talked about this in some different commentaries and stuff by saying it's like poetry. Because um, people ask, like, "Well, why is this similar here?" And he he's tried to tell people, like, um, I mean, there's an obvious parallel between the way Anakin attacks the trade Federation ship in episode one and the way Luke has the death star running for the middle episode of both trilogies has a sequence with an asteroid field. There's little stuff like that, sometimes more meaningful stuff rather than just set pieces. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but um, you know, at the very, in the, at the end of the third movie of the original trilogy, we find out that Luke and Leia are siblings right at the very end. At the end of the third movie of the prequel trilogy, we see them born. So, like, they show up as twins right at the end of each trilogy. And so there are different echoes like that.
2: Anakin's always getting limbs chopped off at the end of the trilogy. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That that part uh, rhymes quite a bit. (laughs) That's, like, the the words that end with E, that just everything rhymes
2: with everything. Well, I guess that makes (laughs) sense. Like, both... Anakin and Luke lost a limb. Like, I mean, there's... It didn't... It felt like those were linkages rather than... Like, they took the entire story. Like, The Force Awakens was basically just A New Hope.
0: Yeah. Is this the first Star Wars movie without an amputation? Um... Or did The Force Awakens
2: not have one? How do you define amputation?
0: A hand getting cut off.
2: Oh. Um... Did anything get cut off like that in Phantom Menace?
1: No. There was a... Someone was got someone cut, being in half, cut in half, yeah. which
2: kind of is like an amputation. Yeah. Being cut in half okay. is kind of like a mega amputation.
0: Oh, I guess Snoke got his hand cut off. Episode four, what amputation is in there? Uh, Ponda Baba.
2: Oh, yeah. In the cantina. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, Snoke got cut in half, but also his forearm was separated somehow. So I guess there is a hand cut off in this.
2: Wait, what got cut off in Phantom Menace?
0: Darth Maul from himself. But
2: that's not... We were arguing whether that's an amputation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, um, Yeah, I don't think a hand got cut off anywhere.
2: I'm okay if we want to classify being cut in half as an amputation. I just think <laughs> it's an extreme classification.
0: No, I was thinking specifically of hands getting cut off because it happens so often. Anyway... <laughs> Wrap-up thoughts?
2: On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give this movie?
1: <laughs> I can't do
2: that. Okay. Do you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Let's go with a okay, simple so Netflix scale.
1: I was just wanting to wrap up with these thoughts. That overall, <laughs> when I found out that it was nearly three hours, I was excited because I like long movies because it allows time for character development and plot development after watching the movie i wasn't sure that they actually used that time well the more i've thought about it the the less i i am sure that the story makes sense however hearing that trevor was in a similar position after his first viewing and that he thinks more positively of it after a second i'm willing to give it a shot
2: i did want to point out that i'm so I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I'm actually not great at mu- at movies. I feel like as I continue to age, <laughs> I'm less good at sitting through and just being engaged with movies overall. And this did not have any problems with holding my attention throughout. And I knew it was a longer movie and I was like, hmm. I like even thought during it like, hmm, I know this is going long, but I'm still engaged with what's going on. So I thought that was a positive to its credit
0: we should keep going to match its runtime <laughs> i do have should. i thought of another question <laughs> did
1: this is only tangentially related to the movie did your theaters play the infinity war trailer and if I, so how did you deal with that
2: number one i yes and i was given oh, can
0: i go first can i go
2: first oh go ahead yes
0: i knew that i was seeing it like an hour or two before matthew I thought it was at the same theater, so the trailers would be the same. I already had my phone turned off, but Betsy only had hers on silent. So as soon as the Infinity War trailer started, I said, Betsy, give me your phone. And I texted to Matthew, this is Trevor warning you that the first trailer is for Infinity War. And then gave her phone back.
2: I forgot to text you back. Can I give you a verbal text of what I wanted to say? You
0: you gave a thumbs up. But
2: I also had another thing I wanted to say that I forgot that I want to give as a verbal text now. Okay, You're a good friend, Lucius.
0: (laughs) Okay, and now your thoughts on how you dealt with the trailer.
2: So thanks in part to that advance warning, I stood outside the theater and had Melissa text me when the Infinity War trailer was done.
0: That is exactly what I expected when I texted you. And I figured you'd be starting the movie before I got out, which is why I knew I needed to text you then.
2: That sounds about right. So that was very appreciated.
1: And thanks to no advance warning from either of you, I sat in the theater, covering my ears, closing my eyes, and humming loudly, like an idiot. (laughs)
2: What did you hum?
1: Just toneless garbage. Oh, okay. (laughs) I just wanted to be louder than the incredibly loud volume of the
0: trailer, which I- I now feel really bad that I didn't text you, Seriously, you should. (laughs) I forgot that either of you should have (laughs) a little bit. I'm a little ticked. I'm a bad friend.
2: (laughs) I guess I thought. I'm just
0: imagining the people around you in the theater being like, Oh my gosh, why won't this guy shut up? I'm trying to watch the trailer.
2: Dustin. I think I interpret, I think I absorbed that as my own neurosis and I didn't want to impose it upon anyone else. So then now that you're saying it, I'm like, Oh, I should have thought of that. But then
1: we made an official better world's recommendation not to watch the trailer. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I feel bad about this.
1: We should uh, we should put this as a warning at the beginning before the spoiler-free section.
2: We should just make our own little thing like, are you going to watch the Infinity War trailer? How dare you? Also, it's like the most watched trailer on YouTube ever now, so maybe no one's listening.
0: Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's a pretty good trailer. <laughs> I loved the part where I accidentally watched it seven times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have been told by good authority that I need to go back and watch the trailer after I have seen the movie, because I would appreciate the trailer on multiple levels, which I probably might do. (laughs) I probably might do.
0: Are we doing last thoughts on the movie right now? Yeah.
2: Oh yes. Last thoughts. Um, Thumbs up or thumbs down.
0: (laughs) I, my thumb wavered greatly in the days after seeing the movie, but now it is a thumbs up. I, I enjoyed watching it both times. And then I would just kind of fret about it afterwards and start thinking, well, maybe that wasn't good or this wasn't good, but it's fun to watch. It is overall very good. And the parts where it fails, it is not the last Jedi failing. It's the force awakens failing as mentioned, like with Snoke. um, I'm frustrated that we're not going to get a real good answer with Snoke. But I still think it was the right choice to just cut that off, subvert that expectation, and let Kylo rise up in a surprising way.
2: I don't think, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, we didn't actually mention the whole, that whole same thing with Ray's parents, just not mattering at all.
0: I'm less sure about that one.
2: Because we think it might be a fake out.
0: I'm not 100% convinced on that point. I think it could be fake my hunch is fake that news. it is real fake news yeah my hunch is that it is actually true i don't know if i want it to be true or not i am 100 percent convinced that it was not meant to be that i'm convinced that jj was trying to set up for her to be connected somehow and the reason i say that is I watched The Force Awakens. (laughs) More specifically, it seems very clear to me that Kylo Ren knows who she is from watching the movie. I became more convinced of that every time I watched the movie. And then I read the novelization, and in the fight in the snowy woods, when she gets the lightsaber from him, he literally says the words, so it is you. In the movie or the novelization? In the novelization, he says, so it is you. Is that canon now? The novels are canon, yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's clear from The Force Awakens that there's some kind of connection.
0: Who knows now? But then I... So, you could say, oh, it was just a really big fake-out, and that's why it seemed like it was implying that. I honestly think that it was a mistake and a lack of planning.
2: It could be that. And it it
0: would take some pretty explicit information for me to be convinced otherwise.
2: But I still kind of like it in that there were so many, like just everywhere people are like, who are Rey's parents? What's up with Rey? Let's talk about this endlessly. And then in the end, they're like, doesn't matter at all. You wasted your energy. Like, I don't know. I kind of...
0: (laughs) I like it from that perspective. I dislike it from the perspective that it means it's not explained why she is able to best or equal Kylo in every situation. If the answer was, oh, she had prior training that we didn't know about, that's an answer, but if I mean the answer is actually just she's really powerful for no particular reason.
2: But in a way, that's a better sense of like democratization of the force rather than having it tied up in a few oligarchic families.
0: I'm not talking about heredity. I'm talking about training.
2: Yeah, I. But I guess they getting it like
0: training and exposure are my bigger
2: concerns to a degree that like natural inborn talent could be. Well, I guess that's not even a great answer. I don't know. I just appreciated the not you don't have to be from the few correct families for it to work. But I I understand your concern. And that is it. If you're looking at it from that perspective, it is frustrating that there's not, it doesn't feel like there's a satisfying answer.
0: I also had a really great theory that is obviously not going to happen now. I don't remember if I had told you about it. Do you want me to try to relate it briefly? Sure. Okay. My theory after the first few viewings of the force awakens, um, when I started realizing, and yes, I still say realizing that Kylo Ren knew who she was. Um, Reasons being when they talk about a girl on Jakku helping the droid, he's like a girl, what girl? Like as if there is a girl on Jakku that he knows about and he's wondering if it's her. Um, And then later the, it is you, all that. When he's talking with her, it seems like he knows what her deal is. Anyway, all that put together, And I don't think this works out because of the ages, but my thought was she was, if the ages were such that he was maybe 15-ish when he burned down the temple, she was maybe five, she was there, he killed everybody, couldn't kill her, and his solution was to hide her away on Jakku. Um, When he's trying to read her mind and she reads his mind instead, the line that she comes up with to say to him, the thing that she pulls out of his mind is, you're afraid you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. And Darth Vader famously killed a bunch of little kids when burning down a Jedi temple. Well, not burning. Well, I guess there were fires. Um, he probably killed plenty of kids. Whatever the connection is, whether it's familial or um, whatever, for some reason, in my theory, he couldn't kill her, so he hid her away to hide his failure. She is thus an emblem of his failure, which is why it is also, uh, subsequently not very pleasant for him to meet her. Um, he does want to train her very clearly in The Force Awakens. Um, anyway, I thought that would have been a neat twist if he was actually the one who had hidden her away. Um, I don't think there's actually enough of an age gap for that to work out because he would, like I said, he would need to be like 15. She would need to be like five and then have traumatic memory loss.
2: (laughs) I can remember having that impression that it almost felt like trauma induced memory loss. He might have been the one like that was one of the impressions from The Force Awakens that that could have been what they were trying to get at.
0: Because everybody was assuming that whoever she was related to, she had been hidden for her own safety. And I liked the idea that she had actually been hidden by the bad guy to cover up a perceived failure. And I, everybody I told this story to, most of them said, that's probably a better story than they'll actually come up with. <laughs> um, I don't know if it is or not. I just thought that was a fun speculative idea. But as I've said many times on this episode, there's a difference between this would be cool and this should actually happen in the movie. So when I theorize, it's not usually to say that something should actually happen. It's just kind of an idea. Just playing around with ideas. Well, it's time for this podcast to end.
1: Dustin, are you convinced that her parents are nobody? No, I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not not convinced.
0: (laughs) I have one final thought.
2: It's probably accurate that they will be somebody because J.J. Abrams is taking over and he'll be like, what'd you do with my plotline?
0: I got to call up that Trevor guy. She's going to (laughs) just wake up in a ecumenical chapel or something. Is that the word? Ecumenical?
2: Wait. No, it's not. I didn't hear the comment initially.
0: She's just going to wake up in like a cross-denominational chapel or something. (laughs) Panting? (laughs) Or gasping. That's the word. Gasping, yeah. Anyway, yeah, J.J. Abrams does not know how to end things, so I'm exceedingly nervous. Who do you think will be gasping
1: in the episode 9 trailer? I guess (laughs) Poe.
0: Or BB-8. That would be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I wanted to ask you guys something else. Do you think there will be a time gap between
2: 8 and 9? There almost has to be, doesn't there? I'm betting 3 to 10 years. I was going to say, like, it has to at least be like 8 years just for them to build up a rebellion after they killed literally almost everyone off.
0: I'm going to guess 3 to 5, possibly as much as 10. Minutes.
2: And then they can have like, oh, Ray's become a seasoned Jedi without us having to show a training montage, and
0: Leia died of old age.
2: Yeah, and like Finn is surprisingly competent now, or something. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be able to pull that one off with time.
0: Poe has learned about planning.
2: <laughs> BB-8
0: has a rocket launcher installed, and he's also the admiral of everything now, and the flagship of our fleet is a, an X-wing painted black. <laughs> Oh, sorry, not Admiral. General. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That was a little too much
1: competence there.
2: I want the chicken-legged Darth Maul to enter in and assume head of the dark side.
0: Well, okay, okay. I think my theory I mentioned about Darth Maul being the planet is actually still... Got some legs, so to speak. <laughs> um, Darth Maul is the planet. He was forced projecting the image of Splunk. Um, so chop in half, nothing. Um, the effort of projection didn't kill him because he has a brain the size of a planet. Um, I th- I think yes. Yep, yeah, this could totally work.
1: I have other questions that you guys just made me think of. We don't have time for this.
2: Well, now I want to tie in with Guardians of the Lightning G- Round. A tie- <laughs> I want to like tie in up Guardians of the Galaxy where they're playing like pop songs from the mid-century, or like as the Darth Maul planet advances, it's like "Come and Get Your Love," <laughs> like just <laughs> or whatever's going on.
1: <laughs> How did you feel about Chewbacca's grappling with vegetarianism? <laughs> Good. I loved that part. How did you feel about BB-8 being able to do? anything um pretty good pretty good i had another one. Oh, who was this old guy that dramatically walks across this salt that was luke what <laughs> <laughs> that was luke oh no with <laughs> he walks out of the trench steps across the salt and raises binoculars and then someone licks his footstep and says salt which they licked the red part i don't know what kind of salt they're eating he
0: I think he touched the edge of the footprint. Okay. I'll give you I could be wrong. I'll give you that. But who was the guy? I do think that gif is going to be great in video game forums.
2: Yeah, it will be. It's going to be. What gif? When people complain about something and you just put in the the gif of the guy. Just like someone testing the ground and being like, "Yep, that's salt." Salt. <laughs> okay,
1: but still, who was the the dramatic guy that <laughs> we saw in literally a 2-second shot? It looks like they were setting it up for more.
2: I think they did it almost just because they didn't want people to think it was snow or something like that.
0: Yeah. It was there just to say this isn't Hoth. We're not redoing Hoth. So the dramatic guy... It's a different white powder. The dramatic guy was there to make footprints. No, I don't know what the binocular
1: guy's deal was. Okay, that's what I'm asking about. I don't know. Okay. I didn't know if it was like some important director or... Like a cameo.
0: Did they show the view through the binoculars? I don't think so. Okay. Because that would have been a callback as well. Right, yeah, I, I don't think they
2: did that. The real question is, Is in episode 9, are we going to get a statement about many somethings died to bring us this information?
0: Many crystal foxes.
2: No! Not the crystal foxes.
0: Many of Poe Dameron's associates died to bring us this information.
2: And I willingly sacrificed them, said Poe. <laughs> Without a second thought. It was very daring of me. We took out a TIE fighter! Look how
0: handsome I am. How many chances do we have for that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's a, in Futurama, a character who's a decorated general that everyone loves. And his initial claim to fame was that he defeated the Killbots. And he said, I sent wave after wave of my own men against the kill bots and they were brutally slaughtered because I knew they had a preset kill limit where if they hit that, they shut down. And everyone (laughs) loves the general. And I I now halfway think of Poe as that
0: general General (laughs) Poe.
2: Yeah. So concluding thoughts.
0: I earnestly think that Jar Jar is a better character than Poe or Finn. I would take that. But I honestly hate Poe more than Finn now.
1: Yeah. Finn... As much as I like to complain about him, he didn't tick me off as much in this movie.
2: Because he didn't do anything.
1: That is partly it, and his lines were not ridiculous.
2: Still woke up gasping.
0: Did he? I thought he just bonked his head. Doing nothing is better than getting all but 12 people killed. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, He Poe was actually a better... Um, antagonist in a way, in that he got more people killed than
0: the... He's the main villain of the movie, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, It feels unfair that he has his own comic series and then now, than other people do.
0: It's not good.
2: The series? I haven't read it. <laughs> no, it's not good. Oh, I feel like people thought it was good, but I have no, no sense no, it's of not. that whatsoever.
0: That's the one that I sent you guys photos to help me figure out how to figure out what... Order to read the panels in oh (laughs) yeah i can imagine not enjoying
1: a comic strip that's entirely in a a tie fight or uh, uh,
0: an x-wing it's not they fly into the middle of uh, a the planet core i don't know they fly into like a giant cave and then they meet these people who worship an egg and then the egg busts into this like uh cross between like a dragon and an angel And they're like, oh, at last our savior has come. And then a black one comes out too. And then they fight and everybody's like, oh no, we're all going to die. And This isn't the Poe comic? This is the the story arc? This is garbage. Who wrote it? Meanwhile, Poe is just having like a Mexican standoff with a bunch of gangsters. Um, (laughs) And then somehow it's all magically resolved. And the people are like, wow, thanks so much for helping us. And then he flies away and tells Leia that he did a good job. I, that's, that's my memory of it um, if anybody has read it and thinks that that is not an accurate recollection of the comic book then you can send your complaints to feedback at betterworlds.net <laughs> you can find us online at betterworlds.net you can find the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 26 you can also email us at the aforementioned address and ask to join our slack group we'll shoot you an invitation if you want to talk with us and tell us all the reasons that we're wrong about The Last Jedi or all the reasons that you think J.J. Abrams is going to do an amazing job on Episode 9. Or all the reasons that, Poe was actually conceived by the Mid-Glorians. I mean, oh man, I meant to say Rey, but you know, it works either way. Um, Is there anything else we need to cover?
2: I'm surprised they stuck Charles Sewell on the Poe Dameron comic because he was that doesn't seem like the kind of comic they would took him on but anyway I'm going to have to
0: add a spoiler warning at the beginning that I'm going to tell them the whole plot of the Poe Dameron comic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> No further comments your honor
0: Go then Star Wars Rebels is actually really good I maintain <laughs> I'm excited to watch season 4 well, are we, we're done, right?
2: Well, Dustin now needs to say go then again. Yeah,
0: because oh, you guys... Thanks for listening. Go then. Thanks for listening. Go then. Oh. Thanks for listening. <laughs> go then. Thanks for listening. Go then. <laughs> he can hear me, right? I'm just waiting for somebody to say the line again. Yeah, I'll hold. <laughs> I think he's toying with you. I'm just waiting for somebody to say, it's time for this podcast to end.
2: I said that <laughs> many minutes ago. Tooling, tooling with you.
0: He's tooling. With I have you. an urgent message. Go then. About your mother.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's time for this podcast to end. Go then.